When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. future we're talking real money this time let's blame it on the rain i say we blame it on the rain hi welcome to talking real money i'm don mcdonald along with a uh, a waterlogged tom cock who's uh whose equipment is not doing what it's supposed to do in that it's supposed to magically connect and for some reason it's not magically connecting so we're going we're going old school he's actually he's got the the tin can, the string, we've run that across Lake Washington all the way to the Como Studios, and, and let's see what the quality of Tom's string is like. I pulled it very taut. I hope this will work. Yeah, it's actually better than I thought. The, you know, last time we used the string, it was, uh, you know, it just sounded like somebody whistling. I could do that, too, by the way. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Real Money. We're here to talk about money. Now, Tom probably won't stay with us for the whole show because, you know, it just doesn't feel like being a regular radio host when you're on a phone. Right. Plus, there's a delay. <laughs> the delay is really bad. It is. I can see you saying things and I hear you about four minutes later. So. Yeah, that's really weird because uh, oh, I don't understand all this stuff. You know, I wish I could afford someone full time who just sat around and and was my my I mean, I'm pretty good at the basics of technology, but the deep dives into DNS and IPs and all those things. Yeah, it's where my head starts to spin. And so we've got one tie line that's working. That's at my end. The other one at Tom's end is not seeing me for some reason. So on Monday, we're going to call the folks at Thailand and say, please fix this. Actually, if you're in the neighborhood right now, if you don't mind dropping by, see if you could fix it now. That'd be terrific. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, although I worry about the rain. Is it still raining? The rains have subsided and we're headed for a period of very nice, dry, warm, sunny weather, I'm told. Oh, OK. Because, Ben, yesterday Unlike, when you called me from way, your car. Yeah, that was horrible. And like the the stock market, which is apparently headed for a great pullback of some kind due to either the covid, the election or some other matter, because uh, <laughs> I'm getting those questions from people a lot about, well, the election's coming up. I should move to cash or I should do something right. Yeah, yeah no. Don't need to do anything um, as, as a. As a matter of fact, I, you know, I, I went to that dimensional conference this week and they had a great presentation on presidential elections and stock markets that I'm going to talk a little bit about in a minute. Yeah, that, which is fabulous. And uh, it, just to remind us all that you, you're, if you're feeling that way, you're not alone because there was another write up in the Seattle Times today from an airline pilot who handles the finances for his family. And he said, the last few years I've been concerned about the stock market. I've been pulling back his portfolio, 65 percent in stocks. 26% in bonds and 9% in cash. He's 45 years old. 9% wow. in cash, sitting around wow. in cash. 
which is and the only the only reason you should have cash in your portfolio is for emergency purposes. Exactly. And I mean, even there, I would try to do and we've talked about this on the program before, Don. I would try to do the, you know, a a high yield uh, savings account of some kind. We've talked we've sent you to bankrate.com and other places where you can look up something at least decent, but those rates are shocking gone down. So they were at like 2%. Now they're at like half a percent. So you're literally making absolutely nothing on the cash. And there's no reason to hold cash unless you're going to spend the money. And at 45 money in your IRA, it's unlikely you'll spend that for what 20 years. So you should be invested the way to your risk tolerance and your uh, attempt to uh, make mark, make money in the markets, not mess around. The problem is though, and, and we see this constantly we've seen it for decades is emotions take control your emotions get the better of you and there's no place for emotions when it comes to investing indeed that is correct did you connect it didn't i i i'm not hearing anything oh yeah he said he got connected but i'm not picking him are you hearing me over the tie line that is weirdly funkily weird uh we are just having a technological field day today on talking real money which just goes to show this is live radio 855-935-TALK is our phone number we're going to fiddle with it during the break 855-935-8255 if you have questions they involve money we'll try to get them answered Tom and Don are talking real money. Everybody needs help with their money now and again. And if you need more help than we can give in the course of this podcast or show, set up an appointment with one of our advisors for a free actual meeting with no obligation and no high-pressure sales pitch. Just go to Vestory.com, that's V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com, or call 800-386-3004. For your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money. All right, Tom's fixed his equipment. <laughs> Which isn't easy it. at this age. No, it gets harder all the time when you're getting up here. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We've got stuff fixed. Tom's on uh, a actual tie line machine thingy. And we're talking real money at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. It is what? Uh, just uh Five weeks till the presidential election or so. And I wrote down the number of trading days, 25 trading days. So if you're going to do something with your money, you better hurry up and do it. 25 trading days. Not a lot of days. Yeah. You've got to hurry. Uh, Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, yeah, but we, we freak out about elections, though. We really do. People are truly pulling back. I'm just going to sit on the sideline and see what the election brings, they say. And yeah. they shouldn't be saying that. No, we clearly we we both took in a, a a class from people that we trust because I, he's pretty well renowned uh, economist. They went back and looked at the numbers, Don, uh, and election years, presidential election years, have been pretty good to people invest in stocks. And we're not saying anything about this yeah. year because this could be the next year that's down. But isn't it nineteen out of twenty three? presidential election years the market ends up up correct right and and here's the thing the (laughs) we just we tend to forget this really important fact is that the stock market tends to go up more than it goes down anyway 
And you can go back. You go back to 1929. And really, we don't have great records since uh, before then. You go back to the election of Herbert Hoover. And from 1929 to 1932, the stock market really took a beating. It did. No doubt. Yet the next term, which was uh, some guy named uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, stock market was way up 30%. Then it was down his next term. Then it was up, 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 up for every successive president's term. Roosevelt, Roosevelt, Truman, Eisenhower, Eisenhower, Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon, Nixon, Carter, Reagan, Reagan, Bush, Clinton, Clinton. And then for two Bush terms, the market was down, 2001 to 2008. Then up Obama, Obama, Trump. So if you're playing the odds, which is the more likely scenario? Stocks are going to rise over the next four years or fall over the next four years? And if you're specifically worried about this year, 19 of 23 of those, as I said, presidential election years uh, have been up. The four down ones, by the way, I mean, if you look at them, they're kind of logical. It was down in 32 kind of makes sense right middle of the depression down in 1940s we started a second world war down in 2000 after the dot-com blow up and then 2008 kind of we had that little financial problem 2008 so market was down so you can you can blame it on the presidents i guess but probably other factors were larger than they This, though, goes back to human nature and the way our brains work. We can solve complicated problems, but when it comes to things we really don't understand all that well, like the stock market, we think that that one person can actually impact it. And when you look back, it really wasn't any one person who did any one thing. As a matter of fact, it wasn't even a series of events related to that one person It was other issues, and these issues all came as a surprise. No one one saw them coming. No one saw them coming. And that's part of the – but they also talked about something really interesting at this DFA conference. That's why you get rewarded for investing in stocks. It's that uncertainty that provides you with the rewards. And that's the fascinating part of all this, because people think I'm going to put put money into stocks and it's sort of going to go up automatically. And, and every day and every month and every year, it doesn't. And you have to be prepared for that volatility. And, and again, what we've talked about this so many times, Don, your portfolio, your asset allocation, your relationship between the risky things and the less risky things is yours. It has nothing to do with everything else that's going on, because next year could be horrible the next five years could be and in fact remember how many years uh professor french said we need to really determine if this is all going to work in the long haul oh my gosh yeah this was the most fascinating thing Uh, uh, kenneth french a professor at dartmouth these guys run numbers for fun for fun they like it and so he looked at how long it would take he calculated how long it would take to determine what the rate of return, the, uh, the, the, the additional rate of return that stocks provide yeah. over safe money. And, and he, and he said, if you think it's three years, you're wrong. Nope. Five? No, not even close. Mm-mm. 10? Oh, yeah, no. 15? 20? 50? What was the Keep number? Keep going. Yeah. 
What do you think the number was, folks? What do you think? Yeah, call us and give us your estimates. (laughs) It will take 400 years of data to give us a decent idea what the return for stocks should be. There's a moral there. You want to know? You can't know. Unless you're going to do the chi- the freezing thing or whatever, that you know, bring you back after hibernation, fifty more years. Hibernation. One of these days, though, we're going to get hibernation. I'm telling you, probably not in our lifetime. But. You know what? As tired as I am at 62, there's no way I'm going to go 400. So good luck to you. No, but but think about how much rest you'd get if you could hibernate for a couple hundred years. <laughs> what a God, nap that would be. Oh, oh, it's 20, it's 2220. I'm feeling so much better now. Yeah. And then you'd look around and you go, I have no idea what any of these people are talking about or doing. I have no idea. Put, put me back in the 21st century. Yeah, don't do that. Uh, so, but here's what you should do. You should ignore the pundits. You should ignore your churning gut that makes you, I got to do something. And you should have a plan that even if at 45 or 55 or 65 or 75 that says, here's how much risk I'm taking in my portfolio. Here's what I'm trying to achieve. And the rest of it is noise, especially under 400 years, which still is a few years down the line. Because we only have like 92 years, right, or whatever it is right now. We have data. 94 years of go. excellent so, stock yeah. market return data. So we so. we can give you a reasonable like 25% correct estimate of what stocks ought to yield over safe money. But it's going to be only about 25% accurate. Yeah. Leaves a lot of room for inaccuracy. Yeah, that's silly. So in other words, you're you're not going to get this right. And I don't know what it is about us, but we search for the simple answers. We want it to be easy. We want to know that somebody knows what's going to happen down the road and uh i I wish you luck you're never going to know that so you might as well just get over it listen to our dull boring advice and then call and get some of that dull boring advice and stop doing all the fancy schmancy stuff that's just kicking your derriere and pick up the phone or punch the buttons or just speak it to siri 855-935-TALK Tom and Don are talking real money. There's a science to managing money. I call it financial physics, and you can get a free copy of my easy-to-read book, Financial Physics, at TalkingRealMoney.com slash free, or there's an interactive version available on Apple iBooks. It's called Financial Physics. That's spelled with an F, and you can get it free at TalkingRealMoney.com slash free or in the Apple Bookstore. Your guides to a really great financial future. Tom and Don are talking real money. And it is just as easy as easy can be to give us a call at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. And Tom, welcome to Talking Real Money. Hey, Tom, how you doing? Tom. (laughs) I don't think he's. Tom. Oh, there's no Tom. No, there's he's no gone. He's gone. All right. Well, but I'll tell you, you who is back, there. He went away to keep things interesting. Who's there? Sounds like a knock you're, knock joke. You're well. Yeah, that's it. Is actually kind of what? 
Uh, how am I going to phrase this? What, what is there? What oh, organizations? Wait, knock, knock. <laughs> Who's there? What organizations did something you're going to talk about? Well, I, I'll tell you why. Because <laughs> they manage a lot of money. They manage a lot yeah. of your money because they're trying to make money on your money so you, they can pay you later. We're talking about pension funds here. You know, the people that a lot of. Oh, state I thought we were talking about and, Wimpy from the Popeye cartoons. Exactly. <laughs> More appropriate. Pay you Tuesday. Because pensions right now, according to the latest figures, have, uh, let's see, I think I have this right, about 46% of their portfolio in stocks. 46, less than half. Wow. They're being very and, conservative. Well, they Why have, are they being so conservative? They have some money in uh, in bonds. They have okay, some how money much do they have in, in bonds? Not, it doesn't give the number. Oh, you're a lot of help. Okay. Where do they have? Uh, they have most of their money, though, in stocks. Do they have, they like, have private equity and that stupid stuff? Yeah, exactly. A oh. lot of money there. Yeah, like 15% of the money there. And growing all the time. Hedge funds, because hedge funds are going to make you rich. Private mm -hmm. equity, because you don't even know what you own from what it's worth for <laughs> years and years, unless they find a way to go to the public markets. Um, uh, alternative real estate, all kinds of other stuff. But the, the point of the matter is they have underperformed again. Remember, their, their, their number is seven. That's what they're trying to make. They figure if they can make seven, they can fund future obligations. Oh, that is their number? That's their number. And they've averaged about half of that. Wow. And if you as an investor think you're going to trade your way. This is what this is. This is trading, right? This is moving from one type of equity asset to another or one kind of asset to another. If you think you're going to trade your way to make a lot of money and these people with billions and trillions of dollars do not do it, think again. Yeah, nobody can pull this off. Nobody it's, can. It's, it's a totally unrealistic expectation. And to that end, uh, a little later on in the uh, in the show, um, I am so excited. I'm always excited this time of year. It's like yes. it's like Christmas. Christmas. It's like Christmas in September when the when the new Spiva information oh, comes yeah. out. Spiva Spiva comes Some out wait twice for a year. Morning. Yeah, I wait for Spiva. The Spiva U.S. scorecard. Spiva stands for S and P indexes versus active. So it's how have actively managed mutual funds performed against the various indexes? And the results are always fascinating, and they're pretty consistent year in and year out. As a matter of fact, let me just share with you a couple of them. Over, Get this. And it's a funny thing is, is the longer you go, the worse they look. Now, if just let look, me explain quickly, yeah, active ahead. is somebody that's buying and selling securities or sectors or moving yeah. in and out of stocks and bonds, that kind of thing, versus indexes, which own a group of stocks all the time. Correct. Those are the ones that just buy the index and just hang in there. And the farther out you go, the fewer beat the market. As a matter of fact, for one year amongst all Domestic equity funds versus the S&P Composite 1500, 67% of actively managed funds over one year failed to beat the index. Sounds like over, two out of three. Over five years, though, 
it's 8 out of 10 failed to beat the index. After 10 years, it's 8.5 out of 10. And after 15 years, it's only about 10% of funds that have shown any outperformance over and above the market. What are your odds of finding those funds? It's pretty darn slim. 855-935-TALK is our phone number. 855-935-8255. Let's talk about your money. Tom and Don are talking real money. If you don't have a financial plan, well, sometimes you just need a little help getting started. And we offer that free help to anybody in a meeting with one of our fiduciary advisors. To set one up, just go to Vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com, or call 800-386-3004. There's no obligation, no cost, and, I promise, no sales pitch. Reality radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. You know, it's funny. Just think it during the break. Hosting a live radio show is a lot like investing. You kind of, you never know what's going to go wrong, but something will. And when it does, you just kind of have to roll with the punches. You just keep plugging along. You don't just throw your hands up and give up. You keep going. Just what we've done. Now we got Tom hooked up properly. It's as if that first half hour didn't even happen, although it did, and we know it did. Now it's recorded permanently. It'll be a podcast next week, so everyone will know. Uh, we are completely ready now to help you at 855-935-TALK, aren't we, Tom? Feel so much better to be hooked up properly. You have no idea. <laughs> and you look better hooked up properly. Too. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Hey, Michael, right the neck. are you there? You want to talk to us? Maybe something will go right. Hey, there he is. <laughs> That's perfect. Oh, okay, the oh. second half hour of the show is off to a confusing and frustrating start. So, <laughs> But there is some good news. There is some good news. Really we lost Tom. We lost Michael. Yeah. But you, if you're out there and you have a question, you can call right now and get straight in. You know, somebody actually just sent one in, literally just now, just like minutes ago, oh. sent well, a question. So we can take okay. this one. And save us from from another disaster. Complete as, annihilation. As long as I can get my way through it. <laughs> Please. Okay. This one is about asset Try. allocation. I know you can handle okay. this one, Tom. This is and right up your alley. What that, first of all, what the heck is asset allocation? It's allocating assets. I know, but I mean, what? Come on. It, those okay, are such fine. Inside baseball terminology, I think. Go ahead. Thank you. The playoffs are here. Um, asset allocation. Here's what it. I think it means. Yeah. How you're exposing your money to other securities. Okay, the way your Is mind that, was that going. Did, you're laughing. Way, you didn't. The, no, 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 no. It's the way your mind was going earlier about the no. equipment and thing. And then you went, the way you're exposing <laughs> your assets. There's <laughs> a delay there. Okay, so the idea here is every person. Yep. Young, old, kind of old, us, getting older. Like us, I know, I'm, really I old. Know. Should have should have a plan that says how much of your money is in riskier things like stocks, because stocks are riskier. They go up and down more depending on the election, depending on the COVID, all those other things. Versus how much are in bonds. A bond is an IOU. There should be the ones you own should be far less risky than stocks, although mm -hmm. you can own mm -hmm. risky bonds. Mm -hmm. You make that decision for your mm. position in life. It has nothing to do with 
All those other things I just mentioned, somehow, that's asset allocation. Somehow, I think the question probably would have helped you explain that, but. <laughs> okay. <laughs> go ahead. I'm not having a good day, so I'll, go, I'll go ahead. Would you like me to read the question to you? Mm. Mm-hmm. All Please right. do, now that I took way too long explaining asset allocation. Uh-huh. Yeah, you exposed your asset allocation. <laughs> Again. Eight five five nine three five. talk Call us or send us a thing via the Internet like this guy did. Uh, okay, ready? I will get yeah. a pension at retirement of 60% mm-hmm. of my salary. You're the last. Good. No one else is ever getting those. Congratulations. After 30 years of work. Oh, so he's kind of old like us. Uh, oh, no, he's not that old. Holy cow, after 30 years of work and you're 46? Wait a minute. How does that work? Wow, he started at his job at 16. And he has he's, he's going to retire in 10 more years, too. My question is yes. what my asset allocation should be in my 457 plan. Oh, he's probably one of those child geniuses who started working for a university at like, you know, 15 teaching or something. Uh, 457, that's a government yeah. thing. Cur- Educational. Currently, I'm 80-20 stocks, bonds, following Jack Bogle's recommendation of 80% U.S. and 20% international. I scored a 73 on your risk quiz. I don't know how much I'll need to withdraw from my 457 since I'm pretty sure I can live off my pension. Thank you for your time. Now it goes to Tom. This is this is this argument about should I consider my pension a bond? Yep, kind of. Right, because it's because it's a guarantee, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to get a certain amount of income whenever I whenever I start it. You can mm-hmm. you could consider your, consider your Social Security a bond. Unless you read all the nonsense that's out there now about how it's going to go away or they're going to reduce your Social Security benefit. You can. That's fine. That Here's the thing. Can you really handle an 80-20 portfolio when you're 65 years old? I don't know. It depends on the risk quiz at the time. Yeah. I mean, 73 suggests that maybe you should be a little less risky, but you're willing to take some ups and downs. The short term, the short answer is, yeah, sure, that makes sense to me. Well, Why but not? I have a longer answer following in your footsteps. Of course you do. That will come after we take a break to share stuff that pays the bills at Como. Tom and Don are talking real money. Before you end up buying a financial product that you'll regret later, either call us on the podcast or the show, or if you need a little more time, that's why we offer free meetings with our fiduciary advisors at Vestory with no cost, no obligation, and no high-pressure sales pitch, I promise. Just give us a call at 800-386-3004, or better yet, just set up an appointment at Vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com. For your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money. Weather Hello, and welcome back to... A strange hour. A strange, strange, strange hour. One of those talking real Sometimes money. you just write things off and you just want to start over again. Well, you know, like most people look back at 2020. Just let's just exactly. line through that this, one. This Do is over. This is the episode of Talking Real Money that that is 2020. Yeah, writ small, abbreviated. It's it's yeah. the, it's it's the it sort of epitomizes the year. It's it's a yeah. Looking back at 2020, it was a mess. This is a mess. 855-935-TALK. But fix this. But it's a fun mess. See, that's the thing. 855-935-8255. Um, we had a question online. It was about allocation. Tom explained what asset allocation was in 
13,000 words. And, uh, and, and, but the, the guy said 80, 20 in stocks and bonds and then 80, 20 U.S. international based on That's John incorrect. Bogle. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to address that because when we first started talking to John Bogle many, many years ago, late nineties, he, he was a hundred percent S and P 500, right? He was. You should have nothing else. Well, I believe that we, along with others, had a hand in wearing him down and convincing him that a portion of your portfolio should be invested in international. So he threw us a bone with the 20. I believe that had he lived another decade, we would have probably gotten him to 60-40. I really do. Because it makes more sense to have your allocation closer to that of the market capitalization of the global market. That's all. That's what I wanted to add. And I'm, I think I'm going to do one of my podcasts next weekend on this because it's such a hot topic all the time. It seems to come up regularly. I know. And, and the numbers bear out the, a balance between the U.S. and other markets. There's no logic behind it. It's very arbitrary. Well, I live in the United States. So is there is there any is the rest of the world not making money? We're the only ones. Eh, don't think so. 855-935-TALK is our phone number. Bill's up next. Welcome to Talking Real Money, Bill. Is he really? Bill, uh, are you really there? Good gentlemen. Hey. I'm glad I got through. It sounds like you're having too well, much fun here this afternoon. <laughs> can hardly stand it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I've got cleaning I coming a soon. couple simple questions. My wife and I um, uh, have about 160000 that we uh, obtained through a, a family member's house sale. And uh, we'd like to invest a portion of that. Uh, we're setting aside some of that money to uh, remodel our house, which we own. And uh, I guess we're looking to invest, you know, a portion of that, maybe 100, 120,000 into the market. Um, would we be taxed on receiving this money or what taxes would i guess that'd be the first question would we have well how did you get the how did you get the money um it's through a relative that passed away okay so it was an estate it was part of an estate Um, inheritance it was an inheritance there will not be any taxes on that no there won't be no okay no no. And so I guess you can invest it however be, you what, see what fit. What would be the best way to invest that? A, well, I mean, so it sounds like there's a couple of objectives. One is you're keeping some money set aside for a remodel. I heard that correctly. Right. right. Okay. And, and then the other money is longer term for what? What's the purpose of the rest of the money? For retirement. Okay. Are you going many years until? Yeah. Are you going to need to spend it in retirement right off the bat, or is it something that's just kind of going to be there in case no, you need it? Uh, well, I'm retired myself, and I have oh. my investments, and then my wife is looking to get into the market for the, actually the first time. So, um, and she's still working. One. So we're it's just looking almost to a, make a smart long-term investment. Yeah, and and the smart long-term investment is to invest based on her tolerance for risk. 
You need to know that before we can tell you anything else, because without knowing that, it could be that she only she can only stand 20 percent of the money in stocks and 80 percent in fixed income. Could be that she's a 60, 40 stocks to fixed income. We don't know. But that risk quiz will give you a very good idea as to what she can stand, because the key to successful investing is having a portfolio allocated it properly so that you don't panic when the stock market does scary things, which is what it does from time to time. And it's totally unpredictable. So I and, and and yeah, I think that's very good advice. I think the first part I would just set aside in some sort of high yield savings uh, account. You go to bankrate.com, look up the rates there. They're paying about half a percent or something, yeah. a little better than having your checking account. I'd set that money there. I think Don's exactly right. And then after taking the risk quiz and giving some thought to how much volatility she's willing to accept, build it. You could use a two fund portfolio. We give this out regularly the VT Wax and the VBTLX stocks and bonds. Vanguard build Total right. World yeah. Stock Index and the Vanguard Total Bond Market Index, what those two funds are. Then you figure out what you're up because actually, when you take the risk quiz, we give you what kind of an allocation that should probably be it's not absolute but it's because nothing is absolute because we're talking about the future but it's the best guess we can come up with thanks so much for calling bill and sam you're next welcome to talking real money hi and thank you very much for taking my call my question today i know you've answered this before but i missed it last time what is the exact difference between an ETF mutual fund and a regular mutual fund? If, like if you would go to Vanguard and buy the ETF 500 or and the their their index 500, what are the differences, please? There are differences. They're relatively convoluted, at least in the terms of an ETF. A mutual fund is very, very simple. A mutual fund is simply a pool of everybody's money and the management company goes out and buys the stocks to or bonds or whatever it is to fill that portfolio based on the amount of money that's been given to them and everybody shares it equally it's a it's a common pool it's like everybody owns the same portfolio that is a really straightforward investment one of the reasons it is taking us and it has taken us so long to come around to the concept of ETFs is that it's far more complicated than that. When you buy an ETF, you're not actually buying a portfolio of securities. Buying things that look like those securities. You're, yeah, exactly. You're buying yeah, it's promises. It's tricky. But you're getting it. I mean, if you went to Vanguard and you had to decide between the two, I bet the 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 uh, the Vanguard 500 ETF is less expensive than yep. the mutual fund, even though they're both relatively inexpensive. The ETF, remember, trades during the day. Mutual funds only trade once. So this is one of my problems with ETFs is it creates this desire to say, oh, the market's way down. And even John Bogle didn't like him for that reason. So, but if I was just starting out and I was going to go ahead and buy one, I probably would say just get the exchange traded fund. How much? What's the price differential, Don? Oh, I don't know. I'd have to look them oh, up. I thought you're looking at that. No, okay. what oh, I I'm what sorry. I was looking at is I was looking at for I'm trying because ETFs are really hard to understand. They are a basket of securities that market makers have pledged. People who have all these stocks. They've pledged them. But you don't actually, when you buy an ETF, you don't actually have the stocks. When you buy and sell ETFs, then they liquidate this basket and move money around. It's more convoluted. And that's, again, why it took us so long, because 
I like simple. And mutual funds are simple. They're straightforward. But ETFs, particularly index-based ETFs, are pretty darn safe. Tom and Don are talking real money. There's a science to managing money. I call it financial physics, and you can get a free copy of my easy-to-read book, Financial Physics, at TalkingRealMoney.com slash free, or there's an interactive version available on Apple iBooks. It's called Financial Physics. That's spelled with an F, and you can get it free at TalkingRealMoney.com slash free or in the Apple Bookstore. Your guides to a really great financial future. Tom and Don are talking real money. And a lot of people don't know that in addition to doing this show, we also, about 10 years ago, started an investment advice firm based on the things we've done on the radio for years. And it's called Vestory, and we believe in helping everyone, everyone get off to uh, the right start and, 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 and enjoy a better future, even if you never become a client. And we don't pressure you to become a client. There's no high-pressure sales pitch, but we do help everyone. So if you'd like to get a little help, you can set up an appointment so easily by going to Vestory.com and spending some time with one of our fiduciary advisors. They won't try to sell you anything. There's no obligation, and there's no cost if you keep it under like an hour or so. So go to, talk, or go to Vestory.com and set up an appointment. Realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That should keep the lawyers happy. <laughs> 